0: What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Andrea Haverkamp, who is a labor organizer and a professor at San Diego University. Yes, University of San Diego. University of San Diego. All right. I was uh, we're we're going (laughs) to redo that, John. (laughs) Yeah, We can't can't fuck that up. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the show. I'm really glad that you're back. Uh, We've got a lot to get into. And I I normally, the, the, our listeners know who you are, so I'm just going to go ahead and blast off. I'm not even going to give you time to talk because there's a lot going on. We've got Congress, and I'm just going to give you what I know, and you can tell me how correct or incorrect I am. We've got Congress who has passed, or not passed a law, excuse me, or yeah, they didn't, they, they voted against the um, the rail unions. Um, and said, "You need to get to work now." I'm thinking. Um, so far, how am I doing? Am I doing well? Okay, cool. I'm gonna keep going. So they voted. They voted it down, and as a band aid. Now, what a lot of people don't realize, uh, and I have uh, I have experience in the shipping industry in a past life. This is the busiest time of year. This is Q4. This is Christmas. We live in a consumer economy. So for them to strike now. When and and it's oftentimes a lot cheaper to move things uh, intermodal uh, via intermodal, which is another fancy way of saying over the rail, right? Like it's it's a lot cheaper for shippers to move things over the rail. Them striking right now would fuck everything up like it would It would be so it would be so bad everything would have to go over the road um uh, and, and when that happens then you you would and there's certain shipments that have to get places um immediately uh then you're gonna you're gonna need to employ teams that's more expensive which are two drivers so every no one wants this to happen right so you put a band-aid on it uh the rail workers are not happy about this so where does that leave us now. That's the billion dollar question in the room right now. And that's a lot. And how did I did well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Congress imposed, uh, imposed a contract deal. Um, and there is certain mechanisms that, uh, the federal government and the rail rail companies, uh, work with. Um, There's a special arbitration board. There's a special mediation board. There's a special uh, presidential emergency committee. Uh, All of these mechanisms are in place. This is not the first time this has happened. Do you know how many times this has happened in U.S. history?
0: You know, I don't. I'm very curious to know.
1: 18 times since 1926.
0: Damn.
1: So I guess to go to where we are today... If I may, I would like to go back to the 1800s.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I love history. Let's go.
1: So in the 1800s and in the mid-1800s, labor organizing was essentially illegal. Uh, Not only did the United States have outright slavery, there was uh, other forms of ways of keeping everyone down. In the mid to late 1800s, there were criminal cases against people, workers who had "quote unquote" conspiracy to raise their wages through actions that today we know as like labor organizing. Now, in 1877, there was the Great Railroad Strike. Now, in this 1877 Great Railroad Strike, about a hundred thousand workers were involved through a combination of unofficial, boss-led, company-led militias, federal troops, the National Guard. Um, they attacked workers with over a 1,000 arrests and a 100 deaths. And industry continued to cut wages and break unions. This uh, one lasting impact of this uh, that we'll see up till today is uh, the National Guard, local mal- mal- militias, and the government saying, holy shit, we don't have enough control over our infrastructure. Workers can really strike and upend our entire society if they're not getting fair payment. So instead of fair payment, what is the answer is, right? More laws, more militia, more National Guard. Um, So after 1877, there began to be more armories and more surveillance in working class areas, and in particular around key infrastructure, because this strike in 1877, that was ad hoc, that was random, that was a little unsuccessful, but did have 100,000 workers in the population a lot smaller back then, had demonstrated the power of what national labor organizing could be. And this was when there was no national railroad union at all, only uh, railroad brotherhoods and sort of job-specific craft organizations. And after this, about 10 years later, you see the Arbitration Act with some panels and some non-binding sort of work in the nineteen or 1898 Erdman Act. But um, folks about 20 years later said, OK, well, we know what we have the power to do. There's the 1894 Pullman strike. And in 1894, this was a quarter million workers. Um, A lot of this was the Pullman factory, which at the time you've heard of company towns. Pullman not only manufactured rail cars, but they also were the landlords for workers. Pullman was treating um, a small small number of workers compared to that quarter million very unfairly. But you know what, across the entire industry, people were like, you know what, because of what they're doing to the workers in Pullman, we're not gonna load the cars. And other people said, you know what, we're not gonna drive the cars. We're gonna keep these trains grounded. The entire industry, came to a halt 19, 1894 Pullman strike is huge mm. um federal troops again ended the strike by force there were some concessions workers got a little bit more Eugene Debs who would later run for president an out socialist was imprisoned due to the 1894 Pullman strike in 1916 less than 20 years later uh, there was th- the talk of an incredible even bigger strike threat of 90. Four percent of rail workers. You know what we got out of that? The eight-hour day and minimum wa- in the groundwork for minimum wage laws. The Adamson Act of 1916. But things were still not fair. I mean, as you know, it people are working fucking hard out there. So in 1922, after World War One, and people sacrificed a lot, went to war, died, worked a long hours to support the war effort. There was another huge rail strike in 1922 with militias and federal and National Guard troops on one side, huge scab efforts, a giant, giant strike. After it ended, the, the capitalist class, the powers that be said, we must have the Railway Labor Act of 1926, which has been used 18 times, including by President Biden, to stop and withhold the potential of a strike. They said, you know what? Workers are getting too much. They're in control of too much. How can we control them? Quote-unquote labor law comes into effect. So this has been amended in the 30s and later to include airlines too. So the airlines cannot just stop. You do not have the freedom to do that. So there's labor law, then there's labor freedom. Under labor law, these rail workers do not have the legal ability to stop working, which is... I think, way more criminal than if they did start working. (laughs) So this isn't even the end, because we've got it 1945 to 1946. What would you say if I told you about one in ten or more, depending on how we cut the numbers, working Americans were on strike in 1945 to 1946?
0: I would be shocked.
1: It is so untalked about, and it's interesting what what histories are hidden from us. Nearly five million people Struck from 1945 to 1946. Major, major nationwide rail strikes started with 800,000 steel workers going off the job. Ripple effects, solidarity strikes, secondary strikes, rail negotiations faltered. Do you know what President Truman tried to do to stop this strike?
0: What did he try to do? I don't know.
1: He tried to draft the workers try there there was a law put into congress that sought to say what if we just drafted all of these rail workers these 800,000 workers made them federal armed forces and then they have to under you know threat of treason or sedition go back to work that was a legitimate policy proposal that went forward it's so crazy um, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers and this is what happened in 1945 1946 <sighs> Um, And guess what happened after this unfathomably large took Congress, the government and the military to stop this post-World War II strike where people said enough is enough. We demand fair wages and rest and days off work, which Biden is not letting them have. We got what is called sometimes the Wagner Act, sometimes called the National Labor Relations Act. The framework from which all labor unions operate today came in 1947 on the heels of Five million people The largest The closest thing To a general strike In American history How many rail strikes Have we had Since 1947
0: Twelve do I've done One One oh, In okay. 1992
1: Two days afterwards Congress used their power To stop it It was incredibly minor um, You know 92 Clinton era um, I'm not sure If it was Clinton Or outgoing W Or Big Big Bush yeah, On the way yeah. out Um, But just the interconnectedness of one company out of today, I believe there's 12 major companies that make up the railway system. Um, Well, 12 12 freight rail unions, but Mm -hmm. a smaller number of employees. Just one of them struck. And it was enough that in two days the federal government said "Mm, not even one small part of the railway system may strike. So all that to say what happened under President Biden is actually not that unusual and it is terrible it would be terrible for them to strike right now but how even more terrible is it for people to work and have to notify 30 days in advance if you need to take a medical day off unpaid (laughs) <laughs> Do you know when you're going to be sick? Thirty days from now, you uh, <laughs> sprain your ankle. No, not at all. No.
0: So I all. think
1: I think it would be terrible for the U.S. economy if there was a big strike, and and corporate owned and institutionally friendly media made a made a good deal about that. And it would be terrible. But these workers, a third of which have lost their jobs over the past six years. Due to precision scheduled railroading, you know, pioneered in 2016, zero paid days off, zero paid sick days off um, is terrible. So there's some money in this contract that uh, the federal government pushed forward using the uh, powers that they have, but it's not enough to give people what they need, which is rest balance time off, the ability to celebrate the birthday of a loved one, um, be with your kid if they're sick. So yeah, so I think that's what happened is actually a continuation of a hundred year history, over hundred year history of the suppression of farm workers, agricultural workers writ large, rail workers and, and infrastructure workers who without production and consumption runs to a halt, and the most important thing the dollar bill starts to slip
0: yeah i, I, I was the, yeah go ahead. yeah that was honestly beautifully put very impassioned loved it did not know any of this history which is fascinating to me uh i do I'm way too da- pigeonholed into like a military history and combat and all that stuff. So it's good to, like, I, I know all about the Battle of Blair Mountain, right? Which is a coal miner strike, yes. which is insane. But I didn't know about the rail, the rail workers. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that with me and my audience. Um, I find it interesting though. So we have pays on the table. Uh, paid t- paid sick time, right? They're they're they they're trying to get seven paid sick va- sick 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 days, and um, let's see, we talked about pay, and then I don't know if like a vacation was in there, like kind of if you could kind of let everyone know what their demands are.
1: Yeah, I I believe um, you know you kind of covered it. Is sick uh, seven seven sick days off is kind of really part of the core. A statement by Railroad Workers United say that they find it despicable but not surprising that both parties opted to side with big business overworking people last week and vote against the interest of rail workers not once but twice within hours, suffered a one-two punch at the hands of first the Democratic Party, second served up by the Republicans. It is straightforward. Uh, Union Pacific and BNSF Railway are using attendance policies that really just punish workers for taking Any time off the job. Engineers and conductors face penalties for taking time off, including in the labor dispute weekends outside of holidays and pre-planned vacations, even in the case of emergency. Really, this attendance policy and uh, being on call and just a few hours notice before taking on shift is not that dissimilar to what happens in hospitals. So weekends and emergencies basically being 365, 24-7, on call With only a few hours notice to take shift, um, uh, combined with tightening schedules and stiff punishments under this super sort of lean operation that has reduced a third of the jobs since 2016, makes their jobs more unsafe, more demanding, at the same time, more and more on call to try to maximize efficiency. And this puts strains on finances, families and health. And that has to be balanced with the fact that BNSF has a net income of nearly six billion dollars in 2021, up 16 percent from the previous year, says the New York Times. Union Pacific, likewise, has a net income of six point five billion dollars, up 16 percent since 2020. Granted, the pandemic happened, but there is money there to hire Enough people to give you seven days off a year. Um, other freight companies, uh, CSX Transportation and Norfolk Southern Railway, have also posted large gains. But um, twelve unions all together um, are, are demanding a better workplace. In this this particular strike, there it was from just four of the twelve representing just over half of 115,000 rail workers covered by the deal. Um, these four unions had voted down the deal, citing the main concern on top of all of this, just give us sick days. Let me catch the flu and stay home and not lose my job or come into my job and get everyone sick and endanger not only us, but our performance in keeping everything safe. Um, so those are the major demands.
0: That I, I think those are definitely reasonable. Uh, it, it's interesting, right? You know, these companies are, I believe they're, most of them are publicly traded, so they have shareholders to report to. And, uh, but at the same time, like you have, if you have 12, all the unions, right, most of your employees are pissed and they're wanting to strike the, the, you know, you've got to do something, right? Some something's got to give. Um, it is interesting. Uh, I'm curious. I want the strike to happen. I mean, I probably shouldn't, but I, I'm a big fan of chaos, right? And I just want, I want to know what it would kind of—I feel like that would just—probably after Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, after Christmas. But I am very curious. It's our understanding, too. We were, we were talking to— um, Nelson, what is this? Liechtenstein, yeah, Nelson, yeah, Lichten- Nelson Liechtenstein. I got it. Um, and he said that one of the largest strikes ever is going to occur in 2023, uh, and it's going to be for for UPS. UPS workers are about to strike. So it's. I find that I find it very interesting that we're in a very strike strike ridden era of. Uh, of America which it's it's not something you hear about this is not something I've seen a few hospital strikes uh, but I haven't seen something like this would affect all of us if they whether you want to admit it or not like everyone a lot of people bought most most of you fucks buy things on Amazon um, you 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 yeah everyone does Amazon or you you Pretty much anything that you anything that you see in a store was fucking shipped there. most of it unfortunately came from a fucking boat. A lot of it came from a boat from China and was loaded onto uh loaded from a container onto a rail car and shipped either uh, from the port uh the port of Baltimore um I'm not even gonna get into the name a port of Seattle whatever that's all shipped so I don't I, I'm really would love to know how that would affect. I mean, we'd have shortages. I would assume of of most things really, really quickly. And I can't. And, and I'm I'm assuming that the costs of things would go up dramatically. Um, part partly because you'd have to you'd be forced to ship things on trucks, and the and the price of fuel. I mean, I know that those rates are. I still have some friends in that world. Those rates are compressed a little bit right now. Even the high cost of fuel. But if a lot of things started flooding on, uh, started flooding on to trucks and things going over the road, the, the, the rates would skyrocket. So the prices of everything would skyrocket too. So I don't, but I don't, I don't know how we get out of this. Like, are, are the, are the rail workers going to, after this, after Q4, are they, is there in a way that they could all say, fuck it, we're walking? Is there a way they can do that? So, and how would they do it?
1: So, so this is, this is, this is uh, the question that I think in a, in a recent podcast by, by, by Labor Wave Radio I listened to, they had a, a law professor on there who talked about the difference between labor freedom and labor rights. Do they have the legal right to walk off the job according to labor law and all of the implications it would have on their union's treasury, the legality of, of such um, – technically, no – right? That's not protected. That's not what's considered a protected activity. Could they literally using two legs, two hands stop? Yes. And that is the the reality that is concealed from us at every single moment of our working lives that at any given moment, every single person at McDonald's can throw up their hands, put them behind their head, and say, I'm not doing a damn thing until I get 15 an hour. We all have the ability on any given day to do that and to have the people who control our wages, our retirement, our healthcare, to make concessions, to meet us where we need to be to live healthy, happy, humane lives. Now, will they make that move to go against labor law and perform an illegal strike, I think there are some groups out there who are taking bold and adventurous steps to strike outside of what labor law says you should or should not do and what is protected and not protected. In particular, I'm looking at the campaign that Starbucks workers and Workers United is putting forward being very ready and very eager to wildcat strike and solidarity strike. They just struck at over a 100 stores on Red Cup Day um, when Starbucks has their fancy free plastic Red Cups. Um, It was right around Thanksgiving holiday. That that potential is there. Um, I think that it would be very, very rare for... Uh, that to happen, given that only one strike in the past eighty years has happened in a national railroad um, and was quashed two days later by Congress, I mean the federal government and losing your job and or being arrested is a pretty hefty threat against you. So in terms of labor freedom, I'm not sure if a lot of people feel like they have the freedom to be able to do such a strike. And these can all be averted instantly with. Right, seven paid sick days. Hire up a few more people. Lower the corporate bonuses. Uh, lower the executive salary pay. I'm sure that as soon as you hit a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year, well, you're t- eating the best steaks there are. You're time.
0: Though, <laughs> you're doing I'm, gonna, good. I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push back on that one though. Would how would you feel if let's say you're running a company? How would you feel? And you, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the best. You're, 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 you. You're able to structure things. You've you've been able to figure out a plan, a roadmap to acquire other companies, right? That would make your make your company more efficient. Or maybe they have a uh, they manufacture. Let's, let's use manufacturing for example. They manufacture. You, you have two manufacturing uh, companies. You've you've got Company A and Company B. Uh, main, company B has maybe a little bit better technology, but it's ran really shitty. And you want to go in and you, you're able to structure deal, you purchase that, you're able to, to steal a bunch of human, not steal, but you've bought a bunch of human capital and also a bunch of parts, right? And it makes your company better, right? Would, how would you feel though, and you make a lot of money because of this, but how would you feel if someone's like, you make too much and we want you to make less? Like, would you, if you personally, if you were that person, how would would you want to make less money, even though that you were? How, how much the
1: money? Well, I yeah, I guess that's that's hard <laughs> because uh, I, that's hard because I personally feel that um, in the nineteen thirties there was a proposal that was had a lot of popular momentum. It was called a maximum wage. That's stupid. I personally subscribe to a maximum <laughs> wage, so I I think <laughs> you're I think not- that. <laughs> yeah okay, okay. These, these are the these are the Overton windows that have been stolen from us. is it used to be a very legitimate proposal. In fact, someone was slated to run for president, Huey P. Long, Senator from Louisiana. The kingfish. Um, the kingfish. yeah, yeah, yeah. who had no, every man a king, but like no one is like like the monarch. sort of like everyone gets their fair share, but no one, I don't know, I don't, I can't, I can't see, it would be a different human entirely who would go into a situation and gobble up so much money with my wage, uh, that other people can't take a sick day to take care of them or their, their, their kid.
0: I'm not saying, so. I'm not saying that <laughs> let's, we have to table that one, but we, we do. Yeah. We're going to need to talk we can
1: go back to we, the maximum we, wage real quick. Go we're
0: we're going to be, we're going to be derailed for a second, folks. Cause I've never heard this. So I'm fascinated right now. Yeah. Okay. Pitch it to me. Why uh, help me understand why, why you believe that someone would need a ma—and what is the maximum wage? Let's, let's, let's have a—I'm um, oh, trying to think of the word—a a mind exercise, for lack of a better term, right? Like, tell me, tell me why someone would need a maximum wage, and then what would said maximum wage be, and also who would be able to determine the maximum wage?
1: So, in 1942, okay. U.S. President FDR proposed a maximum income adjusted mm-hmm. to 2021. Okay. During the war, a maximum wage of $414,000.
0: Okay.
1: And General, this was General, part of really? an economic stabilization program. At the part of it, it was pitched, according to FDR. Um, this is within the realms of common, everyday political discourse as normal... Back then, as today, a discussion on should the minimum wage in Oregon be pegged to inflation or not, right? Like, like as mundane. So this was just common parlance. That mm-hmm. um, This is what FDR said. I believe that in the time of this national danger, when all excess income should go to win the war, no American citizen ought to have a net income after they've paid their taxes of more than $25,000 a year. It's indefensible that those who enjoy large incomes... Yada yeah, yada should be immune from taxation while we're at war, interest on such securities. So, this is during the war. Okay. Now, do you remember what the top nominal tax rate was in the years that followed the war during the greatest economic like, prosperity we ever had?
0: No, I don't. I...
1: So, this maximum wage was never implemented, first of all, but the Revenue Act of 1942 had an 88% top tax bracket mm-hmm. of all income over $200,000, which mm-hmm. is. Huge back then. So, it's so um, time out.
0: They were gonna. T- everyone that made just so I'm, I'm making sure I'm following. You, everyone that made yeah. two hundred thousand dollars a year was gonna be taxed eighty eight percent of their earnings. Is that what you're saying?
1: Every dollar beyond two hundred thousand. This was. Um, this was real. This is the reality. Us. We had is that every dollar of that and. That would be about like three million dollars a year. So if you already make three million dollars a year, your three hundred your first th- three million first dollar almost all goes to taxes.
2: Okay. Yeah, that would be three point three three point three eight million dollars okay. in current yeah. money.
1: And and so this the idea is at, at this point, it's a waste of our shared collective resources, our shared collective GDP because you're not going to go out and buy more cereal. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go out and go to school again, right? percent like, that money is better spent investing yeah. in workers mm-hmm. and being given to social security or a jobs program. And so all the way through the seventies and up till Reagan, we had very high top tax brackets, which are now down around the thirties, but it was reality. And what built the middle class in the working class up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, to have a top tax rate that effectively kind of chopped the curve off so that if I was paying an employee the $3 million in first dollar, I would say, actually, this is all going to taxes. I think you're fine with $3 million. You got the best schools. You got great cars. So you have a great house. Like, You're good. Um, well, I'm going to instead take this dollar and keep it in my business or my nonprofit or whatever, and I'm going to invest in better technology or I'm going to Hire another worker. Um, it's inefficient. It's inefficient for Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos to have billions of dollars doing nothing. It's not employing anyone. It's not bettering working conditions. It's not invested. It's just kind of money hanging there. So, so uh, yeah.
0: I, okay. And I want to I wanna get back there. There's a few things. Um, I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, and and here's why I, I I see the incentive would be that they would they would either leave their money in the business or or do um or or because okay I'm I'm not in favor uh, I hate taxes right um you don't do you like do you I mean just between you and it do you like the federal government do you think that they spend their money well.
1: <sighs> so I guess uh, <laughs> just, 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 I' I'm, 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 I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, so un- unmoored from the idea of maximum wage, in general, am I a huge proponent of the United States federal government, um, I will say that I believe in the potential of people to come together through shared governance and to distribute resources together. So I be, I believe in the ability of people to come together. I don't know if you're go- if I'm going to on the books state either support or opposition to the okay. US federal government. So okay.
0: just based off of your answer, you would feel you would feel comfortable potentially um after the the at your 3 millionth and first dollar, 80 let's say a million after that, 88% of that would go to the government and you think that they would use your money well, correct?
1: I would prefer that they don't try to pay me that extra million dollars. Well, that's fair, but instead,
0: I'm at a very pointed question. Yeah, would yeah. you want one eighty-eight percent of one million to go to the the government? That's a yes or no.
1: No, and okay. that's why it's an effective deterrent. <laughs> okay, all right. So, okay. so that's 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 one way the maximum wage is introduced. It's it's strong deterrence, just like mm-hmm. cigarette taxes, right? Do you want to pay fifteen dollars for two cigarettes?
0: No, no, no. Exactly. So that's the
1: idea of like um, mm-hmm. one way that you can try to change social behavior through shared like taxation and stuff like, I,
0: this, but something like that. At the at the same point, I'm a big fan of individual liberty. So why would I ever want to? pass a law, if you choose to smoke, and that's your truth, like, if that's what you want to do, I don't want to pass a law to discourage. Like, you have the information. We all know it's bad for you, right? So. I, I believe in you know personal uh, accountability and responsibility. Uh, another thing about the maximum wage. So so we're, like you you said you used Elon Musk and and Bezos in, as an example. These people don't. I'll also
1: use the president of Oregon State University.
0: There you go. I like that too. You said that. Well, they use those. We'll use the first two just just for argument's sake. Yeah. Um. You said that they they have it's, they don't just have billions of dollars sitting in a bank account. They have. Equity, and I'm sure that there are people screaming, but they have let's say the equity in these companies, right? They're owners, so they have shares. So they they oh, yeah. in order for, sure. for them to extract those shares, they would need to sell them. All right. So it's it's not it's not it's it's pretty liquid, right? You can sell shares, but then if you're starting to pull out of a company, then the, the value of that company is gonna go down, people are gonna panic. So they don't want to do that. And I'm in no, I'm in no I'm not defending billionaires, but I am saying that when people are super innovative, I don't think it's a good idea to put a cap on how much you can earn. Like it or not, we live in a in a winner take all society, and the the and, and the reason and I'm, I'm, it has its problems, right? Like we have we have problems with monopolies. We have there's a lot of things that are that we should probably look into to changing, but to f- to think that the government, which I despise, would tell me how much fucking money I could make is insane. That's giving them way too much power. They have way too much power as it is. That sounds draconian. That sounds like we're taking a step in a direction that wouldn't be good and that doesn't end well. Would you not
1: agree? I disagree because for all, <laughs> okay. of, the ho- for all of the wealth hoarded By these few crooks, there are people sleeping and freezing to death in the streets of Portland, Oregon. For all of the money Jeff Bezos has in equity, in shares, in investments, there are Amazon workers making scraps above minimum wage, breaking their bodies to ship those boxes. Their pay could be doubled They could have retirement, they could have pensions, that money could be used for the betterment of humankind. In a winner-take-all system, which I do not like, there are going to be people losing their lives. And the choice before us is whether we come together and we build a structure and institutions and a way of life in which no one has cruel and inhumane living conditions, digging through dumpsters for food because they don't have enough. When we know that he has enough, he has enough money to lift people up. That money can be distributed fairly. And I don't believe that foundations and nonprofits are going to do what they need to do because they're not publicly accountable. So government at its best looks like a house of roommates living together, talking building trust and sharing resources equitably. You wouldn't let one of your roommates starve to death in your living room while you sit over here and have DoorDash every night. No one would do that. So why do we do that at a societal scale where one person living in Washington State, a a Bezos or a Microsoft executive Has more than enough to eat, more than enough to live, almost too much money. They couldn't even spend it all in their lifetime. Meanwhile, people are dying. So the question is really life or death on what we do with this shared good, this shared productivity, shared resources, and the private accumulation of capital is... Cultural blip in humanity's hundreds of thousands of years radar. This is new, and it's not good.
0: I okay, so I I respect that, but I will. I'm going to push back again, just a little bit, just just a scotch. You you purchase things from Amazon, correct? Yes. You need to vote with your dollar. Nothing is ever going to change until you vote with your dollar, right? So like that corporation is making money off of you and you, you, you have just explained how much you don't like this person yet you're giving him your money. So that's, well, that's why, like well, but hold if, on. But If that, you don't
1: like the air, don't breathe no, it. No, but that's
0: not, that's not, <laughs> no. that's really not it. There are other, there are other alternatives. You could shop at smaller stores. You could, you could, you could, it would be more expensive, but the bottom line is we all vote with their dollars and nothing is ever going to change. Every time you purchase something, you give him more power. You increase the share, you you increase the stock prices, right? Like that's, it, it, it's, it's, it's cool and it's, it's awesome And I agree with a lot of the the things you're saying, especially in terms of like, I do understand that these people, they're on timers, they they have to have time breaks, it's insane. But no one at the end of the day really gives a shit, because it it affects your bottom line and your dollar, and and most people vote wrong.
2: That's dark.
1: John, I think I saw a hand.
2: Yeah, Yeah, so, uh, so... So here's the flaw in that argument, right? We don't have a vibrant economy where there is for every, you know, every item that's sold, there's five to 10 to 20 or an infinite amount of makers. We don't, the meritocracy is a myth. You know, we have every, if you look in like, and I'm not talking like, you know, like Pepe Silva, go deep kind of stuff. I'm talking like two clicks on Wikipedia. You can find that like for every industry Everything is owned by probably like maybe two or three companies or like even further than that. Like what is Nestle owns like probably like a third of the world economy. And I'm like not even exaggerating they, on that. They have, yeah, they have a like, they have a bunch. Of, they they buy up right. a lot of brands. Right, and so when you have these situations, right, so like let's take the town that I live in, Corvallis, Oregon, which is kind of an exception. Let's be real. There are there are what three Safeways, a Fred Meyer, a Winco, and a grocery outlet, and then there are two of a locally owned food co-op. Right, most places don't have locally owned food co-ops. So when you really put that down, that's three grocery store chains, maybe four, and pretty soon, because uh, Albertson and Safeway, or Albertson and Kroger are merging, and the feds are probably going to, you know, approve that, that will mean there will be two different companies that I can buy groceries from, or three. There's WinCode, there's Grocery Outlet, and there's Fred Meyer, Safeway, Albertson's, Kroger, Payless, everything. Trader Joe's. You know, but still, I, even though I, all of I, those even Trader Joe's is like private label yeah, stuff yeah. that most places, you know, they just pay to make. Yeah. So there really isn't true variety. Hold on, Andrea. I, I,
1: yeah, I think what you're both getting at is the individual model of change or the sort of system and structural model of change. I will and I could have easily lied. Tons <laughs> of people lie and say they don't do online shopping. So uh Thank God for me.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, no, off. I would have called you I, out. Cause you raised the, your hand from the previous specific
1: thing. Well, the specific thing, it's like, where the fuck do I find <sighs> on division street in Portland, Oregon of a laptop stand. And I'm working 40 to 50 hours a week. I'm busy. Where do I find like a laptop prop up stand now? It could be nationalized, a service like Amazon, and it could still pay people well, but it's the sort of argument that like, oh, you don't like lithium mining? I see you use a cell phone. Take that, uh, children (laughs) slave advocate. Like, it's just, it's an individual market solution to what is a collective societal problem. So voting with dollars is is good but what we need is structural change cuz i cannot individually consume my way out of a broken system
0: no and i i 100% agree and i did mention that in the beginning cuz there there uh, this is a huge problem facing america right the fact that we don't we're having we we're having like john you used a really good example especially with the grocery
2: stores that's there mm. used to be a ton you want of a, i was to say you uh, want a better one well uh AT&T yeah, the, bought out all it, the all the cell phone towers around here yeah. so now my Verizon phone doesn't work This, this is what I was get, yeah so I'm getting you have you have you have major problems with
0: with with grocery stores with telecommunications I think I mean the whole Comcast thing like that they're getting too big yeah Amazon's getting too big Facebook like these things need to be broken up I mean they need we need a bunch of monopoly busting that goes on just just to increase competition um because when 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 you have um, either an oligarchy of businesses, and I, I probably uh, forgive me, I probably used the wrong terminology there, or you know a monopoly that the the, the American consumer loses. So th- these are huge issues. But uh, in any anything that that leans towards control or more power placed in the hands of people that are incredibly crooked, like you, you, I would assume you would be someone that is more democratic leaning, correct? And this is, this is supposedly the most pro union president we've ever had. And he just said, fuck the unions, right? Like you can't trust these people. They don't relate to any of us at all. They're all crooked. It's terrible. I hate the government. I'm on a rant now, but I'm going to stop. But I'm just saying, I want, it's all about, individual liberty, freedom, and smaller government, and just more autonomy, right? And more options, right? The more competition, um, the better off we're gonna be. But I do, I wanna all say this, I do, and I, I mean this, you are a fucking beautiful person, you're awesome, you have a big heart. And it's fun to disagree with you and also have a respectful disagreement, because I am very curious of how you ended up getting to your thought process. And this is like these types of conversations where we were respecting each other, we're not yelling. uh, They need to happen a lot more often, which is one of the reasons I love talking to you and I I love having this podcast is it's okay to disagree with someone, you know,
1: a hundred percent. Because what what we've lost really in the past, you know, a few decades is uh, what they call in urban planning, the third space, right? Like you have your home, you have your work. And then where is the place for public mingling, exchanging of ideas that use that's really one of the last remainings is the library, but like a third place you don't have to pay for? Where are the the city squares and the places that uh, the public can go and exchange ideas and dialogue. Those don't really exist anymore. They've all been purchased or leased out. I mean, they're, you're, you're running out of park uh, or uh, subway benches in New York city. Like you can't even sit and wait for your train anymore. Cause they're trying to keep people from sleeping on them. They don't have bus benches anymore. in a lot of Portland, they have these weird things that you're supposed to lean on. It's, it's, it's gross, but like the more we do that, the more we isolate ourselves um in front of screens, the less chance we have to return to a society, if it ever existed, where we can have meaningful disagreements. Um, and the outrage sort of like machine is so profitable. Mm-hmm. It is so profitable for MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, and all of the minor media companies, all of whom, are owned by disney etc major institutions it is so profitable to demonize one side lift up the other side and then realize that there's so many shades of gray (laughs) colors um i don't identify as red or blue like electorally Mm -hmm. um i am a precinct committee person of the local democratic party but that is a that is something I, I do because I find it interesting, not because I deeply believe in the Democratic Party for the reasons you've mentioned. Um, I mean, the like super majority vote to impose this terrible deal is one reason why like they will never work for us. Their their interests are not our yeah. interests.
0: No, they're they're not aligned. And, and this is the, the thing that scares me is obviously you could tell I am pretty, pretty fucking pro business. Right. I definitely am. But I think it's very important. Like for whatever reason, this is and this is something that as we and I'm, you'll you'll be on the podcast again. I'm sure I love talking to you. As as I get uh, older, um, and and as you get to know me more, you'll find that I like chaos. I can't. I get excited. So like, if this strike happens, I feel like it'll be very chaotic. And I think these these types of things are good because it means. It means that people understand that they still have power, right? Power not placed in the institution of government, but placed in themselves, in someone that is just like you. You have have a bunch of of people that are like maga make Tr- Donald Trump has nothing fucking in common with you he's a billionaire he's he was his his parent, he's not blue collar his dad was a multi multi millionaire you are the gum on his shoes to him right the same thing with uh, aoc whatever any of these people right you have nothing in common and it's so easy red blue whatever they all they're all like no this th- this is my savior no these people have nothing in common with you but and you demonize the person that is way more similar that to, to you and has a, the same world um, perspective, that you, a little bit different, but the same, let's say socioeconomic class. They just they might be your neighbor, they have a Trump flag, and you might have a whatever, anyways. But you demonize that person. But when you see a strike like this, it's it's people that are all in the same situation, finding collective power in a group and standing up to the rest of the world together and saying, fuck you we're not getting what we want. No one else is helping us. It's up to each other. And we're going to lean on each other, and we're going to figure it out. And I think that it's important to see a lot of things like that happen. And, and it's like, because we have to get to the point, and and Johnny, you pointed out a great point. The, the grocery store, thing, that's pretty fucking scary if you think about it. Like we're having, we're building these massive corporations. You had the largest transfer and wealth right to fucking walmart amazon all these companies and all these independent shops went out of business and it's like the innovation is going to suffer at one point like we're not going to get the best products we're probably going to lose a lot more family farm family run farms i didn't want to get we should probably talk about that someday on the pod though, is how many like how how many um how there's such few family farms anymore and now there's any anyway, of so, <laughs> Sorry, I got sidetracked there. But, um... Yeah,
1: industrial agriculture. Yeah, that's a, that's a
0: topic for a whole other story. But it's like, you know, what kind of world do we want to live in? Because I feel like you and I, we want this... This is what I always try when, I, when I'll when i ask you very pointed questions. We're really not that far off. We've just taken different paths on how to get there, you know, I feel like the difference between me you I think you and John are probably more similarly aligned here is that you guys have more compassion uh, and empathy than I do and I might be a little bit more like <laughs> like like in a little, like, it's my money fuck y'all do you know?
2: I feel like that's that's kind of the difference I mean I was going to say yeah. that Andrea is uh, very impassioned I had never really heard of the maximum wage and to be honest yeah Don't that, that your seems mouth. I I'm no. kind of <laughs> There, there was some, something I saw a while ago that somebody brought up that was similar to that. That that like, why don't we just all agree that if you hit a billion dollars in personal liquid wealth, that you won the game. Everything after a billion just goes into a lottery or something. It's like you don't like. Congratulations, you're great. You're you're awesome. Why 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 do you need that much money? I don't I don't want that much money. But, I don't even I can't even imagine what it's like to make but, but what thing, load a hundred thousand. dollars but here's the thing. Here's the thing. None of us. I just don't think none of
0: us ha- have made that much money. And to right. make that much money, you have to be different. And I don't know if I made that But why do you m- have hold to make on, that much money? But I'm just going to tell you, I know if I made that much money, I'd be like, "You fucks, you don't know how hard it was for me to make this money, and no one gets to tell me what to do with something that's mine. Fuck you. This is <laughs> the- mine. I will do with it as I please." And I feel like that's the- how they feel. And I and I well- and I agree. <laughs>
1: Oh, the unfortunate reality is class mobility. I mean, the ability to be born lower class and rise through the classes or the ability to be born upper class and fall is at the lowest point ever, Mm -hmm. ever, 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 ever. So the fact is, is that most of the people who are millionaires were born in millionaire families. Most of the people who make, you know, who make their six-figure, quarter-million, half-million salaries had parents who made the equivalent quarter to half-million salaries. Most of the people who go and get their PhDs or their law degrees come from families of lawyers and doctors as well. Class mobility is a myth perpetuated to continue the cycle of inequality we have. We would not have a system of so many have-nots and a handful of haves If not for this myth that maybe one day I'll strike it rich too. Maybe one day I'll do it too. And that's also how war is propagated too. We have this great myth of the United States as some liberator of of people. And maybe one day we'll get to have the gun too. But the fact is, is that in both scenarios, it's a farce and a lie used to manipulate the masses. Out of the 350 million people here in the United States, Very few will reach that level. In fact, in Oregon, three people have as much wealth, not income, wealth as the bottom half of Oregon. The bottom 50% of Oregon, if we all put our checking accounts, retirement accounts, everything together, have as much wealth as three people. You can look that up at uh, the Oregon Center for Public Policy in Oregon today, wealth inequality and income inequality is at its highest we've ever seen, and the result of that you see on the streets of Corvallis and Eugene and Portland. That is the reason why things are this way. If those right, like if those three people had half as much money, woohoo! Like how much money could be redistributed? So. Um, You know, there's there's these are collective decisions we've made as a society, whether we realize we're making the decision or not, that three people can have as much money as half of Oregon, um, over a million people. Uh, uh, Would you think that that's a fair and reasonable society?
0: Well, um, my issue that I have with the whole thing, right, is who gets to tell them that they can't?
1: (laughs) I would say 2.6 million. Or I, would, should I'm, tell
0: them I but, we should but, come together but, and tell them. <laughs> but why, but, why, but why? Right? I'm. Di- and I. But I, I understand what you're saying. I. I I'm not going to lie. Like, the. Uh, I'll. I will. I will agree with you that the disintegration of the middle class is very concerning. Right? That's not good. That never. If you look historically, if you lose your middle class and if people lose hope. That's not good. Your society implodes, right? Um, but I don't. I don't have as much of an issue with people getting rich, right? Like I aspire to be rich at, at some point in my life. I, I every day I work towards that goal, right? Um,
2: can I can I interject real <clears throat> no. quick? No. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, do you, but do you aspire to be rich because of, because money or do you aspire to be wealthy and rich because money equals freedom? Money equals freedom. Ooh. So why not we, so why should we make it a competitive thing? Shouldn't people just be able to enjoy their God given rights and nat, what do they always say? Natural rights yeah. that are given to us by our creator or whoever you want to call, you know, why, why do we have to rely on, uh, um, some, you know, false prophet. Human-driven system to like you know make it a giant pissing contest.
0: No, I, I would agree. We're the only animal on the planet that that pays to live, right? That's pretty. It's we have a pretty dumb you know so- society, right? Um, but I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It would be nice to you know have the ability to buy whatever I want. I I I I agree. I want financial independence and financial freedom right that's that's the end game but in order to get innovation they're like generally speaking this is the argument that's always used you know innovation tied to compensation is good like you're not going to get you're not going to be able to innovate if you look at any of the communist country they always steal technology from the like capitalist societies, right? Whether it's it's not a perfect system, and I'm not even sure that we're really in capitalism anymore, right? But at one point in time, it was pretty good, and and also I will also say that like, as shitty as it is, man, we're just going down a whole myriad of places, and I love it. As shitty as the, we have a lot of problems, I still to this day do believe that this is the the best country. Now, as far as the and Andrea, I want to get back to kind of the the homeless thing. I don't know. What solves that problem? Because we throw millions and millions and millions of dollars of all of our money at it, and it just keeps getting worse. So throwing millions and millions of dollars. She got excited. She's like, no, we fucking don't. I won. All right. Come on in.
1: Okay. How many public housing, social housing, publicly funded apartments do you think we built last year in Oregon?
0: I don't know. Probably not that many.
1: None. (laughs) None. Because what the thing is, these fucking leeches, and I will say these parasites and leeches called the landlord and real estate equity industry, whatever you want to goddamn call them, what they do is these private-public partnerships where we we, create—we spend money through tax incentives, tax breaks. We give— grants we do all everything every mental gymnastic you can imagine except for give people apartment keys and build new apartments that are in a city center or in a place that it makes sense to give people a freaking place to sleep there are many 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 places in the in the world that do not have what we are dealing with because they literally just say there's private housing and it can have all the bells and whistles but you know what we got some engineers their little hats on and we're going to build some efficient buildings so that if you have no place to slay and you have no apartment fill out some paperwork here's an apartment for you and you know what it works pretty well And for, again, most of human society, hundreds of thousands of years, we never let people die in the streets just a mile away from us. Like, it's unheard of and it's inhumane. So we spend a lot of money, but not smartly, because we don't build public housing anymore. And do you know why we don't really build public housing or social housing in the United States? I mean,
0: It didn't really turn out very
1: well for my people. The projects were not good no, those were not good at all. Those were not good. And I totally agree. It is, there's ways it is done in across Europe and across Asia and across South uh, South America and in Africa. There's many places where social and public housing is built and ran well. And then there's many places it is underfunded, as as you mentioned, as a lot of uh, big like projects in New York and in other cities, it's not funded, not taken care of. And it's, and it's treated as an afterthought and it's not prioritized. And then we've reached the state where we barely tried it. And then we didn't even try it very well. And now we just go for these public private partnerships or in Oregon, a lot of deals where if you have a certain number of rent controlled units for five years, you get five tax free years, and then you can up the rent however much you want. But I mean, I guess in terms of freedom, if healthcare was free, if housing was, well, not free, no cost. If housing was no cost and if food was no cost and if all of your basic needs were met, would you still need a million dollars if you had food, uh, your flu shot, (laughs) the ability to see a doctor and you had a warm place to sleep?
0: Yes, I would need more. 100%.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. 100%. I respect that. <laughs> there's a lot of there's
0: a lot of traveling I'd like to do. There's a lot of things I'd like to yeah. learn. Uh, there's there's I want to invest more, to make more. I you know, I plan on having a family at one point. I want to set them up for life, right? If I have a business, I can pay my kids $6,000 a year uh, as, a, as a as an employee, right? and Invest that. It's almost better than a Roth IRA. There are a bunch of tricks that the rich employ to set up future generations. And I would encourage each and every one of you that are listening to look into it, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, there's, there's,
1: I believe it's South Korea that makes, that has, that, that the government takes a hundred percent, there's no inheritance in a state handed down generation to generation. So, so... Even some of that's kind of an anomaly in the U.S. That's um, insane. Where we allow such wealth transfer. That's
0: that's, that's insane, though. Like, you can't – you've just said that you hate the government. Why do you want them to get fucking paid? And why are you so against the individual getting paid? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Have you ever worked for the federal government? Have, have other, I've worked for. I've. I've directly.
2: Directly, not for, not through a shell company. I've
0: worked through. I've worked for like a state government before, and you get paid once a month, and you've got
2: I've all the holidays institu-
0: off. The government yeah. they don't work.
2: I've worked for a, an institution that's paid for mostly and has to follow federal rule, and most of my well, my family's work has been through that, or either direct. Government with jobs with are awesome.
1: I, I used to work for the United States Geological Survey. Nice. I used to work for the Environmental Protection Agency, and I used to work for the Department of Defense. And what I will say, there's a lot of hard-working people there. Not a lot of people getting rich, no, right? So no. Way. no. So, but you, get so ho- you get all of, like, the money, you get all these holidays off.
0: You get all these holidays off. Like you get you get holidays oh, off. Not eight that hours. Many. You every fucking well, banking. You want those holidays yes, off? but that's not how like I that that's not how
1: I, I, not how I envision in a world where we all work at as we need to um none of us are too hurried none of us are too sick we all have plenty of time to spend with our dogs and our, our kids and uh i i think the, the government employment should be a model for how all workers are treated which is paid reasonably paid fairly accountable to the public accountable to each other And federal workers do so much and honestly don't ask for a whole lot. And I don't know. So when I think of paying taxes, what I think of is essentially, have you ever shared food with roommates where like one person buys cereal, the other person buys the oat milk? Yeah, for sure. I mean that—that's a government, right? Uh, that but, is no. collective decision making. <laughs> no, I look. Right? at look, so,
0: so I look Oh at, my
2: god, Rick! You've you've participated in is, communism. D- no, they're no, going to no, take your I, libertarian I, card.
1: You've done socialism. No, I you've haven't. Done socialism, I haven't. my <laughs> friend.
2: I look at. I look at all
0: the government essentially as fucking <laughs> white collar welfare. I hate them, and uh, but again, we're we're coming at it from two different two different.
2: <laughs> perspectives um keep in mind the biggest source of white collar welfare is the private private financial and just business industry they take so much welfare
0: they're 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 producing oh my god producing i'm not saying that the the military is still part of the government but if you're talking about i mean like i mean like business military like northrop government but they're no they're producing goods or services the
2: government is fucking leeching from us There's a difference. Oh, I mean, but the government's playing. I was gonna say the government's playing middleman for Boeing and Northrop Grumman to leech money from us to build bombs to kill brown people.
1: Not true. Are you both in Corvallis? No,
2: no, I'm in Westland. I I am am.
1: Westland. Okay, so 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 two examples just in any city. Tell me if you think these are the parasites of our society. Yes. The library. Solid. And the public health building like the public uh hospital that that we used to have many thriving still have many thriving like public healthcare facilities like mm-hmm. I had in Lawrence Kansas a public mental health facility with public workers and public social workers are these the leeches of society
0: I mean those <laughs> no. are two those are two good examples off of like out of like 972
2: so it's you don't you're not batting <laughs> so, that high okay, so, what about public public works the water electricity um you know public works
0: i've worked for public works uh decent pretty pretty solid <laughs>
2: wastewater <laughs> management Pretty solid. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play the game of like if we don't, you know, who builds the roads thing. Like, oh, I'm, not, know, that crazy just, the, I'm not that that's crazy. That's the that's the cap to any libertarian. Yeah, is what about well, the roads? So, so the
1: fact traffic. is, is what we're naming these things that aren't that bad. These are a fraction of our taxes. The vast mm-hmm. majority goes to cops and tanks, right? So I think if we think about, there's two questions really: Is it good for people to come together? and collectively and democratically distribute shared resources and pay in and take out of a shared system so that more equitable and fair life outcomes happen. The government question is very different than should governments fashion themselves as states, draw boundaries, create laws, prisons, enforcers, and have a monopoly on violence. The well, state, military, prison, industrial apparatus. A totally separate question, well, I feel.
0: Oh, were you talking about, wait, were you, in that example you just gave, were you talking about like states' rights versus federal government rights? I got a little bit confused there.
1: Um, state is in the capital S, oh, like okay. a state, nation state. state. Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. the US Mexico border. Yeah. Should it exist and why? <sighs> <laughs>
0: Are we going <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, so, okay, uh, so, uh, I, 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 I that's Santa
1: Cruz that, that, that's
0: me, you know? that's that's a conversation for a different podcast, because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, I legitimately have no clue about the U.S. Mexico border and the either is it a crisis or is it not? I do not know. I do not understand. Um,
1: or, or Oregon, Washington border,
0: the California border, who draws
1: these borders and why? (laughs) Uh,
0: I, I mean, I feel like you're like team, like no human is an alien and that's okay. I like that team. That's a, that's a good team. I do feel like I, I, and either I, I, I might, I might be inclined to agree, but then there's, you know, I just don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, I, we we're running out of time. I could sit around. I feel like we're spinning spinning our wheels here, but I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. That's for damn sure. Uh, thank you so much for being on this pod. Uh, it's been a joy. I wanna, you know, send me some 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 of the history. Send me some books, some links that I could kind of check out to to educate myself. And I'm I'm very interested in. Um, the way that you think. I like the way your mind works. Um, so, and I, I'm glad, that I'm glad that there are humans that exist like you, that that care. So
1: same to you. It's always a pleasure to be on here. And thank you for doing this, this work. I like the way your mind works that you're able to have people on, have these discussions and keep working through hypotheticals and thinking and reasoning around mm-hmm. instead of, um, you know, I, I, I remember I, I, yeah, there are some people that you're like, oh, what do you think about labor unions? And they're like, I, I hate the unions. They slam the door, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah. thank you for having I, me on.
0: I do want one of the things I do want to say is I, I you need to I would like for you to study the the people that you don't like, these billionaires and these millionaires and these entrepreneurs. And I, the reason I say that is I think that you will f- figure out that that. The system is—it's pretty fucked up. But these people that are making this amount of money—they're really smart, and a lot of them have written books on how you can get creative on hiding, not paying less taxes, ways to bring down your ta- d- d- taxable income, Why ways do you think they you got can ex- so rich. Ways that you can expense it. I'm just saying, and and how to invest, right? Because my my fear is like you've you've you have you're gonna live a life that is about service and helping people and then when you're like 70 you what if you're bankrupt and poor and you're like what the fuck oh, i don't want I have, this i have
1: i have i have two things to leave you with one okay. i have a half completed minor in business yes. from the university of campus <laughs> cuz i saw i took one step in i took a few courses and then i did a 180 and i walked right back out so i have a half completed minor the second thing is i have personally tracked every single budget transaction i have Good. ever made for 11 years and i understand uh even as far as war tax evasion which are people who say i want to make as little money as possible so that i pay as, li- as little as possible in federal taxes to vote with my dollar and not support the war effort i i I hope I hope you know that I've studied I've studied their tools and I've studied four hundred Bs Roth and traditional four hundred one ks and IRAs and you invested I've seen enough of it to invested? know that huh? Have
0: you invested Oh
1: oh I I tell you what um I don't make a lot of money so <laughs> if I had a lot of money I would do a whole lot more I tell you what I tell you what I got that meager little uh a little bit of federal uh tsp federal uh retirement plan and i tell you what i got that little bit if i had more i'd do more but what i do know <laughs> is i i i am invested in the rick's mind podcast you can count on uh, that
0: all right yeah I, you're you're an angel thank you so much for being on we're, gonna, we're gonna talk finances after the show just <laughs> oh, <let's do> it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey folks! Oh thanks for listening. Um, we've got again. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna be sharing uh, off camera uh, some of the investments in the Rick's Mind portfolio. We've invested in private prisons because you could, they trade legally on stock exchange. That's not a joke. Uh, we are holding Raytheon. Uh, we're about the future. We're about the future here. We we invest in the industries a we need to have, that, an, need to have that a begin, board meeting that, the, that that change the world. All right, folks! Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay,
1: check out my non-lethal human restraint <laughs> NFTs after the jump. <laughs> See you in All
0: right, folks. We'll talk to you next week.